every child be brought low and you be glorified and you be magnified today. God, we thank and praise you for all that you're going to do in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Come on, Micah. Come on, team. Let's worship. Come on, somebody. Give them glory. Come on, somebody. Give them praise. Come on, somebody. Give them glory. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody.
rather be than right here in your presence. Holy Spirit, come. Do what you love to do. Touch your people. Jesus, we glorify you. It's a choice that you make to cross over and to allow the Lord to touch you. His presence is here. He wants to touch you. He wants to heal many of you. Some of you are so dry, hungry for God. Yield your heart. Revival begins on the inside. You need to yield your heart. Get hungry for Him. Thirsty. He will touch you in direct proportion to the hunger and the thirst that you have. know about you, but I really need him today. I needed him yesterday, and I know I'll need him tomorrow. Holy Spirit, come. Breathe on us. that moves the hand of omnipotence. My Bible says that His right hand, God's right hand, spans the universe. That's a big hand. I'd always hoped that one day I'd be able to palm a basketball. I still can't. I can shoot okay, but I cannot palm a basketball. You know, God can do more than palm a basketball. In fact, He's carved you in the palm of His hand. 
He knows what you have need of. He knows what you're going through. Come on, He's acquainted with grief, a man of sorrows. Tempted on all sides and yet did not sin. He suffered, died, and rose again from the grave so that you could have life and have life abundantly. And yet the Bible says you do not have because you do not ask. And when we ask, we ask amiss. But it does say to still ask. Ask. Seek. Knock. In the Greek, that's present tense. That means you keep doing that. You keep seeking. You keep knocking. You keep asking. And what God will do is He will move on your behalf. Lord, how should we pray? The disciples said, He said, give us this day our daily bread. Pray this way. Give us this day our daily bread. Anybody need some bread? All right, all three of you, praise the Lord. Bread represents financial provision, but it's far more than that. For man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It's revelation, and I will tell you that we all need revelation today in relationship. Our nation needs revelation. Hello? need revelation and finances we need god's help without progressive revelation without vision my people perish you take a moment now and write out your prayer request and we'll come into agreement with you over this next week they get emailed and sent to our different prayer centers if 62 different churches now the email doesn't go to all 62 but it goes to our main prayer centers you'd have hundreds maybe thousands of people praying i really don't know exactly what the number is But I know that prayer does move the hand of omnipotence. And prayer has been the backbone of my life and the backbone of this ministry ever since its inception. If it wasn't for prayer, I'd be dead. And you would too. You might not realize it. Somebody prayed for you. So take a moment. Fill out those prayer requests.
and you trust it and take it to the Lord, He's going to heal it. He's going to take you to places you never dreamed of. I, just this last week, I went back to the doctor. And a year ago, I stood before every one of you. And I proclaimed that Jesus had healed me of my cancer. God healed me of my cancer long before the doctors told me that I was healed of cancer. And he can heal. He can heal anything you have. You take it to him and he will heal it. You have children out there that you are worried about. You don't know where they are. God knows where they are. Take it to him. He's going to put somebody in their path that's going to make them come out of the dangerous areas they're in. Wherever they are, if they're in darkness, He's going to bring light and love to them that need and want it. You receive Him today. You receive His healing, and you're going to, you will have it. You will have it. Just have it in your heart. Just trust Him. Because I'll tell you, there are other people out there that had cancer far worse than mine. Dodie Osteen had a, a liver cancer. And she had two weeks to live. They, told, they only gave her two weeks. God healed her of her cancer in two weeks. He healed her of her cancer in two weeks. Mine took a little longer time. But you know, he takes us through, uh, takes us through our own little, uh, little uh, <laughs> patterns, I guess, you know. And he knows how to, he does. He knows how to do it. And he will bring you through it. All you have to do is have faith. Pray every day over whatever it is that is is uh, getting you down, your family, whatever it is. I'm still praying over my family. But you know what? God's got them. He's got them. He's got them by the shirt tail, and they're coming in. Praise God. I am, I am cancer-free. The doctors told me I am cancer-free. So, <laughs> praise God. So whether you have cancer today or whether you have a cold or whether your children are wayward and you don't know where they are, it doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what kind of pain or whatever the doctor's report is. Jesus is here by His Spirit to heal you. And in the name of Jesus, impossibilities bow the knee. Cancer's got to go. Look, that's not the first person that got healed of cancer here. I think I've lost count. So thankful, Sandra. Come on, praise the Lord. But there's others. Blind eyes open in Jesus' name, both spiritually and physically. Deaf ears are unstopped. Come on. You can pray for your husband and he can hear you. In Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. You need healing in your body all across this place. Those that are online, perhaps listening by podcast or you're tuned in over the web stream. You need healing. Just open up your heart right now. If you're here in the congregation, come. Line the front. Come all the way across these stairs. Come all the way up to the stairs. If you need a miracle, I want you to come right now. I want you to come. Come on. Come on, Mike. And sing holy.
Some of it? Most of it? 50%? Yes, yes. 50% healing. How many of you know 50% is better than 100% pain? Lord, do the whole thing in the name of Jesus. Come on, people. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Sing and worship. Come on, glorify Him. Get your eyes off of the wind and the waves of your circumstances and look to Jesus. Come on, right now.
did rend the heavens. We pray for God to come and do something, but He actually already did it. And it's a sad thing when believers wait for God to perform that which He already did on the cross of Calvary. He already died. What do you want Him to do? Come and die again? He's not going to come and die yet. He already did it. The next time He comes, He's coming with a multitude of innumerable. The next time He comes, it's the second advent. He'll rend the heavens again. But He has already rent the heavens. That's why you can be healed. That's why you can be whole. That's why you can have hope. You can receive healing in your life. Lord, we just worship You. Come on, thank You. Lord, we worship You. Thank You, Jesus. We're going to take some time to pray one for another. Would you reach across the aisles and take someone by the hand? Pastor Karen, would you come? Let's lift our voice. Pray for the person on your right and left. If you don't know them, introduce yourself to them. our voices, Lord. We thank you that you did come, Lord, that you beat the death, hell, and the grave. And Lord, we're asking that you would rip the heavens and come by your presence. Come, Lord, we are asking for a more of a measure of your presence and your grace. Lord, not just because we love you and we need something from you, but God, so that you can be glorified and lifted up. And so those who don't know you, Lord, so that those who are just weak in their faith, God, would believe we're asking God that you would come this morning Lord you're the only one that brings healing you're the only one that brings deliverance oh God and Lord I'm asking God that this morning your people would be set free touched, healed in your presence oh God, strengthened with might in their innermost being God that you would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you God we love you this morning God we thank you for what you're doing in our church Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in the valley here, God. Lord, let your bride rise up. Lord, walk in what you've done and the revelation of what you've done. We thank you for what you're doing. In the name of Jesus.
Spirit is here. Jesus. Something's happening. Come on. Let Him touch you today. We lift up our nation to you. We pray that America would come back out of its backslidden state. That you would pour out your spirit on our country, Lord, and cause a great reformation to ensue. Revival's the spark. Reformation is the fire that changes culture. Lord, not just revival, a reformation in our government. In the universities, in high schools, both private and public, in middle schools, in elementary schools, in preschools, let your power come upon our children, upon professors, upon those in political office, elected officials. Come upon our president, Lord. I'm going to tell you that the church has more power than we realize. And if you'll quit bad-mouthing our president and begin to pray for God to visit him and for breakthrough, listen, when Lincoln got into office, he wasn't all saved and on fire. There was a pastor at the, I think, in New York Avenue or Pennsylvania, New York Avenue Presbyterian Church who witnessed to him shared his faith with him and Lincoln got saved and became the great emancipator. Don't don't you worry about what God can do with somebody. I'm going to tell you, He can take a Saul and turn him into a Paul. Come on, He can take a Nebuchadnezzar. He can take a Nebuchadnezzar and turn him around and cause him to worship God. I'm telling you, if the Christians will quit backbiting and complaining, but I know not to all the decisions are or biblical and all that, but if we'll just pray and we'll fast and we'll decree, it could be that God wants to take our president and transform it. We know that it's, it's God's will. It is God's will. We know that from the Word. So we pray. Come on. And it debris, where are you at? Come and pray for come and pray for our government. Come on, prayer is something in this church that's more than just praying for the sick. We're thankful for that. People got healed today. Thankful for cancer going. Prayer has got to be the backbone of your life. It's got to be lifestyle. Come on, let's lift up our government. Lord, you told us here in this body that just as you had done it with Saul, that you will do it with President Obama, Lord. And we stand with you in that word, Lord. And we will not have anything less, Lord. And we will bring the Christians into remembrance of that, Lord Jesus. And this country will come back to the covenant that you set with it give you praise and glory. Touch our troops overseas, God. Protect them. Cause an end, Lord, of the war. God, we thank you for all that you're doing, Lord, in Alaska. We decree and declare, Alaska, hear the word of the Lord. You shall be. If you believe God's doing that in your family and our community, say amen. Amen. Say hi to somebody. Welcome to King's Cathedral in Chapels, Alaska.
this later we're so blessed that you're with us hallelujah if you could find yourselves a seat if you don't have a bulletin we'd invite you to lift your hands ushers if you would help me if you don't have a bulletin we'd like to give you one of those thank you jesus if you're worshiping with us for the first time here at kc would you slip your hand up very first time you're with us god bless you glad you're here glenn God bless you folks in the back. Hey, you know what? I want to give a special shout out to Stephen uh, Jacobson and his wife and his family. Would you all stand up? Would you all stand up? Go ahead. God bless you. All right. He's running. He's running for state house. And uh, we're thankful that you're here. I'm so thankful that God has put it upon people who love Jesus to run for the house. And, uh, and so praise the Lord if you want to meet him later. They are in their Sabbath rest, so they might be irritated that I just... They don't want to be shaking hands. It wants to just enjoy Jesus. But anyway, we're thankful that you're here this morning. God bless you. And we honor you. And thank you for, for putting your name up for office. It's quite a thing. Uh, it's quite a challenge. And uh, also, Edna DeVries, you're running for, you're running for city council of, for the city of Palmer. So we honor you also. And for if anybody else is here running, uh, we're thankful that you are. Make sure you register to vote. That was weak. I ought to have a thunderous amen. Make sure you register to vote. If you don't vote, don't complain about one thing. But furthermore, let me say this. Biblically, listen to me. You have a responsibility before God to vote. So you get out, you register. The primaries are coming. What is it, the 24th? August 24th. You get voting. Come on. Come on. There's more people that need to get involved in the political process. And don't just go checking names and stuff. You say, well, I'm a, I'm a Republican or a, I'm a Democrat. Look, I, I, you know how I vote? I'll tell you. I vote on issues. That's how I vote on. That's right. That's right. All right. Praise the Lord. 
Now, let me say that as, as a 501c3 corporation, according to the IRS bylaws, laws, and standards, we cannot, statutes, we can't, we can't endorse any one particular person. But I'm going to tell you who I'm voting for. Jesus! Hallelujah! Thank you, God. All right, so make sure you register to vote. And uh, we do have a couple of announcements. Michael, would you come, please? Oh, did we do the big God bless you thing? First time visitors, where are you at? Lift your hands. All right, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Come on, let's put our hands together for these. All right, let's give them a big God bless you on three. One, two, three. God bless you. All right, I am live. <laughs> all right, welcome to King's Chapel. All you first time visitors and all you guys who always come. Praise God, you guys come. So announcements, we have early morning prayer. Monday through Friday from 5.30 to 6.30 a.m. Um, we also stream it online. So if you guys can't get it, get here, if you guys live all the way in Palmer and Anchorage, we stream it online every morning here, 5.30, 6.30 a.m. Um, we have a Power of a Positive Mom Life Group upstairs on Tuesdays at 5.30 p.m. If you guys have any questions, stop by the iDesk. If you guys want to sign up, sign up there at the iDesk. Um, the Men's Encounter. Uh, I just got the word today. We will be postponing it until further notice. Not a lot of people have registered, so I'm going to push it. Go sign up, we'll, and we'll let you guys know um, when, where, what to bring. All right? Awesome? Good? Okay. Men, please, go sign up. There you go. <laughs> um, baptism Sunday. We have it next week Sunday, which is the 22nd, um, our PM service. If you guys would like to follow the Lord in the ordinance of baptism... Um, if you guys know what that means, please sign up at the iDesk um, the, uh, right after this service, AM service. Uh, Mark's Weifel will be here September 5th. Woo! September 5th, he will be here to, spree, uh, to speak. <laughs> um, he will be here at a 10 o'clock service, and he'll, also, he'll be doing the whole gauntlet that we always do every Sundays. Here at 10 o'clock, in Anchorage at 2 o'clock, and back here at 6. Um, that is September 5th. Everybody got that? Everybody say that with me. September 5th. There we go. September 5th, Mark's wife will be here. Um, we have our choir ministry, which is growing. Praise God. Everybody give a hand to the choir. Woo! All right. We have our choir ministry. If you guys are interested in being a part of our choir, we have a choir practice um, at 6.30 p.m. on Tuesdays. All right. So if you guys have any questions, you guys can come see me or my wife. This is my wife right here. So come see us and what we'll tell you uh, what we normally do or just come show up on Tuesday nights. There's no sign up, no nothing. Just come and be a part of it, all right? Um, we also have our native dance team. Um, that is also available if you guys want to learn, I guess. Uh, you guys can see Carol Sullivan. She's uh, around here somewhere. <laughs> all right? Awesome. That is it for the announcements. Um, get plugged in. Amen. Thank you, Reverend Pisoni. We're going to take a moment to take our daily seed. Now, we do this as a family. Uh, we do Sunday morning, Sunday night. Daily Seed is something that goes towards the vision of this house. Now, by the end of the year 2010, we're believing that our entire network, we're now 62 different churches. We are an Assembly of God church. Uh, we're sovereign, which means we're not a district-run church, but we're very thankful for what God is doing through us. Uh, and uh, we have been planting churches all over the world and uh, very excited about it. This Just in this past year, in fact, Delta just had its year anniversary. We planted the church in Delta Junction. During that one-year time, we've had people get saved, people get healed. Tim and Heidi Capo are my hand extended there at that extension. And um, we've had a 9,000-square-foot building 
given to us, and we're in the process. It's possible that we're going to pay nothing for it. So we're in the process of all of that, which is is rather lengthy right now. Nine acres, 9,000 square foot building. In fact, Todd's heading up there with his painting crew, going to paint the building. Thank you, Todd. And uh, just thankful for what God's done in Delta Junction. That's just a year old. And we started Anchorage, which is at 2150 East Dowling Road, Anchorage, at 2 p.m. every Sunday. Now, what we're hoping for is to add some staffing. How many of you have been praying for that? How many have been praying that God would help us? All right. How many of you ever run a business before? Okay, you got to get the right person in the right place. Amen? Amen. Right? So we're believing God to give us the right people at the right time. And uh, let me tell you how that works here, because some of you are asking me. Uh, I've had, since I've made mention that we're in need of hiring people, I've had people calling me say, I'll take the job. Let me tell you how it works here. <laughs> let me tell you how it works here. You could have the highest degree in the land. You could have, you could have more gifts and sing better than anybody up here. You could be pretty or handsome, have lots of money. All of that doesn't matter. None of that matters. Let me tell you what matters to us here. It's called faithfulness and loyalty. Now, here's the good news while we're preparing to take our daily seed. Is that you could be brain damaged, have what you think to be no gifts, can't sing, totally broke and disgusted. You might even be ill. If you show up and you're faithful and you're loyal... God will heal you. God will help you. God will set you on fire. God will prosper you. And then at that time, He could even then throw you into full-time ministry. He did that for some people that we know. But just because you're qualified on paper means absolutely nothing. Great. I'm glad we got that clear. That That should help. That means come and serve. Come and clean toilets, help pass out napkins in children's ministry, be faithful to come to church, faithful to tithe, faithful to give, faithful to pray, be there with a Christ-like attitude and Christ-like behaviors and, 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 and model what it is to have good fruit. Then, should the Lord speak, then, then we want to, listen, we want to plant a church in Fairbanks. We're going, let me say, we're going to plant a church in Fairbanks. By God's grace, we'll plant a church in Juneau. You say, how come you haven't done it yet? Because we're believing God to raise up leaders right within the place. Amen. All right, good. I'm glad that should thin out some of the applications and increase some of the ministries. It should increase help with children's ministry. Increase help with youth ministry. Now, youth ministry in the final stages of, uh, of launching our new youth ministry. All right, I know y'all. How many go back to school this week? All right, good. Youth are going back to school. So about the following week, we'll be starting our new youth program. We'll tell you all about it. Very excited about what God's going to be doing there. And uh, anyway, if you need an envelope, we do this as a church family. If you're just visiting, you don't feel need to feel under compulsion to be a part of this, but we won't stop you either. Anchorage is really thriving. Very excited about that. Need somebody to help us with Anchorage. So we're, we're praying and believing God. 62 different churches originally planted uh, from Maui, Hawaii. Going to be heading to a prophetic conference. And uh, Jan, you, you and your daughter-in-law are going to the prophetic conference, are you? Anybody can go. Let me say that there's some flyers out there about our prophetic conference. If you have a desire to go, tickets right now at Alaska Airlines are $400 round trip. Yeah, because who wants to go right now? Because it's the most beautiful time in Alaska, right? Plus, it's hunting season. 
At any rate, if you have a desire to go, I'll get you housing and transportation. How's that for a deal? Forget it. When's the last? Forget it. Deal's off. No deal. Let me, let me just say this as an open invitation. Anybody who ever wants to go to Hawaii to, be, to go to our church, to visit, to see what's happening there at the cathedral, I will hook you up with housing and transportation. Now, we're, we're not a travel agency. Come on. We've done that. Melinda, you've done that before, right? It's awesome. Change your life. So anyway, prophetic conference coming up. But we have a conference in January. That's the one I'm feeling really led to go with my whole family in January. Y'all ready? Is everybody ready to do something for the Lord to sleep this morning towards the vision? Come on, say this. Not a debt that we owe, but a seed that we sow. We're believing for what? A harvest of souls saved. First and foremost, souls saved. Harvest of righteousness, being more like Jesus. And a harvest of blessing. Everybody say, I want to be blessed. Amen. You're going to be blessed as you sow seed. Y'all ready? All right. Stand up on your feet. Again, a reminder in all offerings, if you're if you need IRS tax credit, you're looking for that. You need to fill out the entire envelope, P.O. box, everything, the whole thing. First name, last name, P.O. box, the whole deal. They require that of us, all right? All right. Reach your hands out north, south, east, and west. Tom Rappi, good to have you back from the slope. You going to lead us in prayer? Now, now listen. Crystal and Tom are moving. I know. I'm going to get choked up talking about it. They're going, they're going back to Springfield, Missouri, to where Crystal's family is. And we're just sort of thinking of it as a sabbatical, okay? That's how we're thinking about it. We'll see what God will do. She can go back and have her baby back there with her family. And Amen. We just love you guys. All right, so don't cry for too long. Come on, all we want is God's will. How many of you want God's will? Okay, do you want them to be out of the will of God? No, we want them to be in the will. It's the will of God. We believe that. We all believe that. It's God's will that you go at this time. It's going to be a tremendous time of rest, and it's going to be great. And you're going to continue to work up on the slope, right? All right, so maybe we can pull you out of the plane every so often and see you. All right, would you come? Reach your hands out north, south, east, and west. Tom, lead us in prayer for church planting and for our daily seat. Lord, we lift up this seed to you now, Father God. Lord, the declarations have been made. The prophecies have been spoken. Lord, as you said, God, as an aircraft carrier in the Spirit, people would be raised up, God, to send forth into the kingdom, God, to plant churches, Lord, throughout this state, throughout this nation, throughout the nations of the earth, oh God. Lord, we lift up Alaska to you now. We lift up this seed, God. We lift up Delta Junction. We lift up Anchorage. We lift up Wasilla. We prophesy that we will have a church in Fairbanks, that we will have a church in Juneau. Lord, that we will see Reformation in Seward, Valdez, Juneau, God. Lord, Nikiski, Kenai. Lord, different places, Lord. Every tribe, every tongue, every Alaska native village, God. You would go there. You would send mission fields, God. Lord, people would go there to profess your love, dear Jesus. Hallelujah, God. Lord, we thank you, God, you are doing these things. You are moving in all the earth. For the earth is yours. And we give you glory in Jesus' name. Come on, let's come right to this daily scene. Who's dancing? Who's singing? Who's living the life for living? We are. We are.
Well, the same is true with honoring the Lord. You honor the Lord with your wealth and with your first fruits, and then your barns will be filled and your vats will overflow. So we teach it. And I'm, I'm really not afraid of you being offended. I don't want you to be offended. But the word offends. And I'm thankful for all the offense that I've gotten that God's dealt with things in my own heart so that I could get right and, and live a life that's blessed. Come on. Amen? So we're going to return and honor the Lord with the tithe, with the 10%. We're going to return the first fruits unto Him. I, uh, I have a, an interesting offering that I'm giving to the Lord from our home. Uh, I just had a few days off, and uh, I worked very hard doing wood. And I think now I've collected through neighbors coming over and saying, you know, I've got a couple dead trees. Do you want them? I think I've collected just about four cords of wood now. Obviously, you don't heat with wood. It's like getting, uh, it's like getting 400 gallons of diesel for your heater. How's that? You know, God, I had to get out and I had to work for it. But, you know, it's increased to be in my home. So I've got a tithe of wood that I'm going to bless some folks with. Amen. That means if I get 10 cords of wood, I get an increase of 10 cords. I'm giving away one whole cord of wood. Right. And then the blessing flows like that. That's how it works. All right. If you need an envelope, go ahead and slip your hand up. Ushers, thank you. I appreciate our ushers. You guys look sharp, diligent. We have some openings on our usher team. Pat, would you wave at us? Pat's our head usher. Want to be a part of that ministry? You just go ahead and see Pat after. He'll tell you when they meet. We'll train you. Amen. It's a men's ministry. Wigglesworth as he sent his daughter off into the missions field as families were crying at the train station was shouting at the top of his lungs, Hallelujah! Hallelujah! It's a great thing when kids go off ready and prepared. The 
Father, we thank You for the Waller's family and pray, Lord, that You would put Your hand mightily upon them. Put Your hand upon all of the family, all of the children. Lord, upon Trent as he goes to to play at a very high level of hockey, even the youngest person on that team in that league. Lord, thank You for the honor that You've given him. May he stand for You diligently, proclaiming, demonstrating, and living Your Word. Thank You for Tiffany. God, thank You for her life and for the same thing that You've given her a great honor to go to Hawaii. You've made a way for her to do that. God, it's a miracle. I pray, Lord, that You would give her friends, that You would guard her, that She would guard her heart, and that, Lord, that She would grow in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, that You would use her life, Lord, even as she was, even as she's been prayed over her all of her life, that You would use her life, use her life, use Trent's life to change the earth. Lord, and touch the heart of Vicky, touch this mama, touch, touch Todd. Help them as they go through this season of change. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Now God, we pray. Come on, we'll pray over our tithe and then ushers, would you help me? Ushers, would you come, please? Let's pray over our tithes. Father, we pray, Lord, for increase, health, and blessings. As we fear you, as we honor you, as we return, Lord, what rightfully belongs to you, we ask that you'd open up windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that I have room enough to receive it. I pray for bonuses, raises, promotions, and inheritances, supernatural favor, witty inventions, and ideas, houses that we didn't build, vineyards that we didn't plant, the lender, not the borrower, the head, not the tail, all of the blessings of Deuteronomy 28 coming upon us in the mighty name of Jesus. Blessed that we might be a, in Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, go right ahead. I love, I love, I love your presence. I love your presence. I love, I love, I
to have Zach Haggerty with us on guitar this morning. Zach, we love you, bless you. Appreciate all of you guys. Matthew 16. Go to verse 21. Now, we do have notes for you. That's our custom. Many times we pass out notes. I go through great lengths to prepare them. So if you're not going to use them, just don't tell me about it. Amen. I took a survey to find out whether people want notes. And I found that most people like them. It is proven that uh, if you have notes and you fill them in, you use them, you'll actually remember the message to a greater degree. Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 through 27. If you're all there, say amen. amen. Woo! All right, here we go. Matthew 16, verse 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law. And that he must be killed on the third day, be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. And Jesus said to His disciples, If anyone would come after Me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow Me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for Me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits its soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in His Father's glory with His angels, And then He will reward each person according to what He has done. Let's pray. Father, we thank You and praise You, exalt You, Lord, for what You're going to do this morning. If you have the freedom to pray in the Spirit, go ahead and do that right now. Come on, lift your voice. God, we thank You. For what you're going to do, in the mighty name of Jesus, amen, you may be seated. We're doing a series on revival. Last time I spoke, we had John Harkey, of course, over the last weekend. If you missed those messages, there's something that I think you should, messages that I think that you should receive and listen to and get impartation from. They are on our podcast. You can get the podcast by going to kcalaska.com. There is a button at the top that says podcast. You click that, you can then subscribe and it will play on whatever player you have and upload the latest messages of that week on your, on your player. For me, I use iTunes, but there's other players out there that you can use. And that way you can get all of these messages uh, as they're preached. They're uploaded. Uh, we're getting more regular. They're uploaded after every Sunday night service. The so Sunday morning, Sunday night will be uploaded and then, and then, of course, on Tuesday, our midweek at 7.30, that gets uploaded at the end of the Tuesday service. So you can listen to those things. We've, um, we, we prophesy a lot here, flow in the gifts of the Spirit, and uh, very thankful for that grace that's on our life. And those uh, prophetic words you can listen to on those podcasts. So we're starting to record a little bit earlier in the service to try to catch some of those things as the, as the Spirit of God moves upon us. Been doing a series on revival. Everybody say revival. 
Now, I said as I was praying, revival's the spark, reformation's the fire. But we need a spark. Revival is like, is like a, a person who's in a home that's burning down and somebody runs in and pulls them out. Revival is when somebody gets resuscitated. They pass out and they, they get some smelling salts under their nose maybe, get a fresh glass of water, and they're, they're picked up out of their stupor and all of a sudden they're, they're quickened, they're awake. God wants to awaken His church. God wants to quicken His people. God wants to set us on fire. God wants to bring a great revival that then turns into a reformation that changes our nation. We're desperately in need of it. So, so the last time I spoke at the beginning of this series, I preached on, on Saul of Tarsus and how he was riding to go and persecute the church. And on the way to, on the way to, on the road to Damascus, on the way there, he met Jesus. Jesus came at this particular Kairos moment. He fell from his horse. He saw a light. He heard a voice that called him into the ministry. And it so changed him and the message the essence of it was this. You've got to have an encounter with God. And I mean more than just praying a prayer that, that somebody told you you should pray. You must experience Him. And Scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, from glory to glory, it's not just one experience that you should have. It's continual encounters with God. And those encounters should change you. It's two Sauls in Scripture. One, Saul of Saul, King Saul, he got touched by the power of God, even prophesied, but he still consulted a witch. He still was a jerk. Saul had an experience with God and it changed him, hit him so hard, knocked the S off, put a P on the front. His name is Paul. He wrote three quarters in the New Testament. Two kinds of Sauls. An outward encounter, somebody rolling around with oil on their head, prophesying doesn't mean anything. I mean, it's important and we don't despise prophecy and all of that. And I'm all for rolling around with oil on my head. Amen. But in the end, if you're still a jerk, in the end, you don't get your life changed. Your heart's not changed. Then what good is it? So we talked about, we talked about revival. We talked about having an encounter with God. I want to preach the second message this morning from this text, Matthew 16. And it's called the dethroning of self. Because really what encounter, really what revival is, having an encounter with God, really what that is, is God coming upon the throne of your life, God coming upon the throne of a community, and beginning to rule and reign and lead that. That the kingdom of God is not some, some place that's afar off. Come on, the kingdom of God is not in Jerusalem. May God give it peace. The kingdom of God is not a geographical location. The kingdom of God is within us as we come under the rule and the reign of God. So there's an obstacle to revival, and it's us. So, look at your neighbor that he's about to preach to you. Go ahead and tell him he's about to preach to you. Brace yourself. Brace yourself. All right. In this passage of Scripture, just before this in chapter 16, Peter, in verse 16 of chapter 16, answers. He gets the answer right and says, you are the Son of God. Jesus says, who do you say that I, who do they say that I am? Who do you say that I am, Peter? And Peter says, you are the Christ. And he says, wow. I mean, how many of you like getting the answer right? 
I love getting the answer right. You ever been in school and you got the answer right? You know, you just feel so, your buttons bust and be like, yes. Come on, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay, so Peter gets the answer right. He thinks he's like the big, you know, prophet now. And so, and so now he figures he's got a hold on this thing and he steps out and gets the answer wrong. How many of you like getting the answer wrong? particularly like getting the answer wrong myself. You get the dunce cap or something. Let's look at this text. Peter rebukes Jesus. Go ahead and write it, write it in the notes. Verse 22. Peter rebukes Jesus. Wow. And Jesus' response, the star student rebukes the teacher. And Jesus' response is, Get thee behind me, Satan. And in so doing, God reveals that in one moment we can speak God's Word and the next be an instrument of hell. I don't know about you, but that's really amazing to me. Is it not amazing that in one moment you could be the guy with the revelation from the Father, shakahoho? And in the next minute, in the very next second, be an instrument of Satan. Wow! Kind of amazing. You ever get high and mighty about God using you? Just go back to this scripture. Check yourself, lest you be used by the forces of hell also. You know, you know Satan didn't run off with the organist. Satan's problem was pride. Now ponder this with me as we go a little deeper in this message. What is the real problem with Peter? What's the real problem? The very thing that that Peter said was the very thing... Jesus said, you're a stumbling block to me. The very thing that Peter said was the very thing that Satan had said to Jesus earlier. Bow down to me, worship me, and I'll give you all of these kingdoms. You know, in the desert, 40 days of fasting. Satan was saying to, to Jesus, there's an easier way. Peter was saying to Jesus, there's an easier way. He said, you're a stumbling block to me. What was it that was in Peter? What was it that was in Peter that allowed Satan to actually use him? You see, we need to look at this because it's the very thing that will keep revival from coming. What was it? The basis of all temptation is self-preservation. Write it in the notes. The basis of temptation is self-preservation. And it's kind of ironic in a way because Jesus said, we quoted it earlier, He told us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. And He put within us a desire to live and survive. So that's something that God gave us. Hello. Yet at the same time, if it goes unchecked, we can end up Allowing that drive to become an idol, which is really the idol of self. Our desire to preserve ourselves can become the foundation stone by which God then uses, uh, by which, pardon me, 
our desire to preserve ourselves can become a foundation stone by which then Satan can use us. You see, if you're constantly grasping, trying to get your own needs met, then you're really not trusting in God. We'll talk about that in a minute. The idol of self. God wants to bring a great move of His Spirit. Not just in our church, but in the body of Christ. All across the land, in every nation, every tribe, and every tongue. But you've got to get out of the way. I have to get out of the way. We have to deal with self. Self-will, look at your notes, Roman numeral 2. The idol of self, self-will, must be dealt with when we come to Christ. In coming to Jesus, you've got to deal with you, the self. AA has a, has a, a statement that says, self-will run riot. If you constantly are exerting your own self-will, then you're not yielded to the will of God. And then you're going to have a problem. Galatians 2.20, the Apostle Paul writing to the church there, says, I've been crucified with Christ, no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me, gave Himself for me. Every symbol we have in Christianity is about the self dying and, and Jesus living on the inside of us. The greatest revelation I know in the New Testament is this, that you are His house. You are His temple. The deity inside of humanity. When you get a hold of the fact that all of your sin is gone, that he took, the, he took the curse so that you could have life. That He came that you might have life and life abundant. That your old nature has been removed. The heart of stone has been pulled out. He puts in you a heart of flesh and He gives you a new nature. He makes your spirit alive. He quickens you. No longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. The Apostle Paul said it this way, Receive us, we've done nothing wrong. I used to read that in the early days of my walk with Jesus and say, did nothing wrong. The dude stoned Christians. What do you mean he did nothing wrong? Well, you see, he did nothing wrong because the guy who stoned Christians is dead. So the new guy standing there is the, the, the Apostle Paul now is the one who's transformed by the power of God. As he prayed, he was brought out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. It doesn't matter where you've done. It doesn't matter where you've gone. It doesn't matter what you've done. You could have sold your mama into slavery. If you repent, God will forgive you. It doesn't matter what you've done. I mean, it was horrible, it was bad, but there needs to be repentance. And when there's repentance, God comes, He touches you and He changes you. Baptism is a picture of yourself dying. You go underneath the water. In burial. When you come up, you're the new guy. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And yet, I have known many people who have pried themselves off of the cross, call themselves a Christian, but live mostly for themselves. Revival will never come to a people who are bent on their own self-preservation, more concerned about the opinions of their neighbors than they are God. Revival will never come when people are so filled with the fear of man and the acceptance of every Tom, Dick, and Harry than they are of God. Revival will never come to people like that.
Pick up your cross and follow me. Self-will's got to be dealt with. And there's a war. Look at B. There's a war between flesh and spirit. In fact, I like this. If you, if you take off the H off of flesh and spell it backwards, what does it spell? You got it. Self. And really, we love ourselves too much is really the problem. Ephesians 5.29 For no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes it and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. Here's an insight from David Meyer's book The Inflated Self. There is a, a report in there that uh, by John, Jean Paul Goudot it's a study about the inferiority complex. About people having an inferiority complex. And so they had a group of people I think it's 800,000 plus students they got together uh, some in France, some in America, they took a series of questions and, and asked them how they would rank themselves based on the rest of the, the population of the students. And so how they stir, stood in terms of other class members. In leadership, 70%, 70% of them voted themselves above average. Only 2% say they were below average in leadership. Somebody's wrong. What do you think? In the ability to get along with others, 0% were below average. As I said, almost 900,000 students, 60% saw themselves as the top 10% of their class. (laughs) 25% of almost 900,000 students saw themselves as the top of 1% of their class in the ability to relate and get along with people. We don't have an inferiority complex. Love ourselves too much. That's the problem. No one here has a problem of inferiority. You love yourself too much. And let me give you some examples. This will hurt. Brace yourself. You stand in front of the mirror. Considering your body parts. And you say to yourself, my nose is too big. How many of you know the nose is one thing? That, it just never stops growing. That's why older people have big schnozzes. And you're going to have one too. So am I. But we'll stand in front of a mirror and you'll, you'll look at your nose and you'll say, that nose is too big or that nose is too small. And you'll consider getting rhinoplasty, which is a nose job. person who commits suicide doesn't give a flip about the person who has to find them. Let me beat up on that for a second. I've been somebody who's had to find people. They don't care about what i got to go through. You see, suicide comes, first of all, it's a demon spirit, and you, you begin to get in agreement with that by being so consumed with your own pain being so consumed with your own difficulties that it blinds you to everybody else. And suicide is probably the most selfish thing that can ever happen in somebody's life. Now, let me tell you how I deal with... I I, I need to go there because I'm all of a sudden I'm hearing questions in the Spirit. 
So I'm going to deal with it for a second. Some have said, well, if you kill yourself, if somebody commits suicide, they go straight to hell, even if they were a believer. For when I, I have two ways that I deal with suicide. One, if I'm talking with somebody like now, you're all alive. Everybody alive in here? All right. Maybe by the end of the service, we'll pray for you. If I'm talking with somebody who's considering suicide, my counsel to them is this. In other words, I know that spirit's operating in their life, and they've struggled with it before, and I won't do a show of hands. You'd be surprised how many people would say, yeah, that thing's come and spoken to me and said, I'm nothing, I'm no good, I should just end it, and it would be easier. I give them a scripture, I believe it's 1 Corinthians 3, that any man who destroys a temple, God will destroy both him and hellfire. Okay? So that's the scripture I give. However, for those who are, who are left behind after somebody has gone ahead and taken their life, I tell them that God is a merciful God and that God can intervene. And, you know, we like to think, many like to think of God as some mean, angry ogre who's trying to beat you up to teach you something. He's nothing like that at all. And I just believe that God is merciful. Now, I know from personal testimonies, people who have waited in the balance just before, they're, just before they die and they get saved. Somebody comes and saves them. In the, in the middle of the act, they're saying to themselves, Oh God, what have I done? What have I done? Oh God, 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 Jesus. And they go black. And they find themselves in the hospital. Frequently, that's how that is when the Word of God's in it. We don't have an inferiority complex. We love ourselves too much. And when that gets so turned inside, and we start thinking about our pain, our problems, our difficulty, and the impossibility of it all, it's because you're so, self, so consumed with I, you. And it's amazing giving, giving God ultimatums. Have you ever heard people say, God, if you don't do this for me, I quit! <laughs> like, who are you? It's like a God complex. If we're going to have revival, we have to deal with these things, self. You have to deal with yourself. It's all about me. Jesus, the glory and my fame. And you should do things my way. You should do things my way. I think it's on there somewhere. Perfectionism. All right. Our prayer life is affected by self. Look at James 4, if you want to quickly turn there. James 4, verses 1 through 3. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Being consumed with self can affect your prayer life. Okay, you know, we won't do a show of hands, but how many of you prayed this week? I'm the, the average person, you don't, have, you don't have to raise your hand. I'll get discouraged. Okay. How much scripture have you read? How, how much prayer did you do this week? And when you think about how much prayer you did, how much of it was for you? Your stuff, your needs, your pain, your problems. I'm trying. Maturity is the ability to control self. You know, you don't ever have to teach children that we're supposed to become like children, simple and 
trusting. My, my kids don't have to worry about the next meal that they're going to get. My wife was gone over the past few days preparing for all the homeschooling, getting ready, organizing everything, and they start school this week also. And uh, my kids didn't need to worry about me feeding them. They had to ask me a few times. But eventually that guy fed. You know, it wasn't, the plates weren't spinning with the great, the great meals that Mama made. So we were very thankful when she returned. But they don't have to worry. We're supposed to be like a child, like that trusting that God's going to provide everything that we have. Worry fundamentally is sin. Let me say it again. Worry is really a lack of trust that God's going to come through for you. And maturity, we're supposed to be like children in that way, but you don't ever have to teach children how to be selfish. I don't know. You don't have to teach children how not to share. They know that real good. They got that down. And the sick thing is, I know 40-year-olds, I know 40-year-olds that because they've not been taught to delay gratification are exactly like some children I know. All right, I'm not feeling the love right now, so I'm going to go back here. (laughs) Trying to help them, God. Help me, Lord. Help me, Jesus. Ah. Ah. Come on. There's some people that are 40 years old. They don't know how to delay gratification. They have to have it now. Because in their home, that's the way their parents taught them. There's an amazing part of the body that helps truth and helps self. It's in this area. Right here. You say, Pastor, you're talking about my husband. I know. You pray for him. Praise the Lord. We're going to get through it. All right, praise the Lord. How, <laughs> from self, from self, look at your notes. From self can come depression. From self can come depression. Depression is basically, and I know this is going to hurt. Look, you say, well, you've never been depressed. Are you kidding me? I have. I've been in deep, dark depression. I used to drink Prozac milkshakes and all of that long ago. God set me free. I'm not depressed. I'm up. I'm, I'm up. Like, level up. Excited most of the time. Depression is, let me say, can be. What did he say? Can be. Everybody say can be. Because I start getting emails and stuff that I just made some clinical diagnosis and, and, and everybody got all bent out of shape because I made an absolute statement. So I'm saying can be. Depression can be a result Brace yourself can be a result of you worshiping your own feelings. And that is stinking good preaching right there. Depression can be you so focused on you, so focused on the way that you feel. Then if you start staring at yourself, of course you're going to think how fat you are. Oh, God. Oh, my body. Look, depression, get your eyes off of yourself. Help somebody else. Get your your eyes, come on, you're going into winter. Here we go. You ready? I'm going to tell you how to go through winter. On fire for God. Go through winter on fire. Do something for God you've never done. Sit, stop sitting in front of this idiot box, playing Xbox 360 and and killing people and, and, and get outside. 
Reach somebody. Witness to somebody. Help somebody. Visit a nursing home. Go to the hospital. Lay hands on people that have in wheelchairs and believe God for you to touch them and stop being so selfish. we got to deal with self or we'll never have revival. From self can come depression. As I said, don't make your feelings God, people. Don't make your feelings God. Live according to truth. Your feelings will follow. If you knew how revelatory that was, some of you so struggle in your feelings. It'll change you. Anger from self can come anger. Really, all anger is unrealized expectation. Mom walks into the room, sees the room's totally trashed, and says, I told you to pick up your room. Okay, Mom. She's irritated. She's angry. Kid disobeyed. Right? Why? Because she has an expectation that the child would obey. That's where she went wrong right there. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We all should have that expectation and train our kids to obey the first time. Because when you train your kids not to obey the first time, really what you're doing is teaching them that it's okay not to obey God the first time and you're raising a disobedient person who will have a very difficult life and when they're 40, act like a child and it'll be bad. Anger comes when there's an unrealized expectation. You have an expectation that something should happen a certain way. It doesn't and you get angry. Some of you have angry marriages. I'm going to go over here. In other words, you're always mad at him, and he's always mad at you. Look, if you go, anybody ever been to a junkyard? Okay, when you go to a junkyard, are you irritated to see junk? Why? Because you expect it because you're at a... Some of you are angry at each other because you have all these expectations that the person's supposed to do something for you. Really what it is, is just you're so focused on yourself and what you want. I'm going to tell you something. No matter how selfish your husband is, no matter how selfish your wife is, if you will learn to be like Christ to that spouse of yours, you know the whole love dare thing? That's all that is. It's just biblical. Just keep dying to self. That's the key to marriage. Die, baby, die. Hey! <laughs> From self can come depression, can come anger. From self can come guilt. Really, you're making yourself as the, your own judge. From self can come fear. You're afraid you don't have control. And you haven't yielded control to God. So you have every right to be afraid. If you're in control, if you're the one that's the author of your destiny, I'd be really scared too. But when God is the one who's on the throne, and yourself is off the throne, and you really trust Him, look, He's the author and the finisher of your faith. He's the one that, who started this thing? God did. So when man messes you up, don't worry about it. It's just a test. This is a test. It's a love test. Don't, don't be afraid. Trust in God. Trust 
And gone from self can come depression, can come anger, can come guilt, can come fear, can come hurt. doesn't matter what church you're going to go to, you're going to get hurt. If you haven't been offended here, it's coming. Is there, how do you know that? It's all part of your growth. Now, there's ungodly leadership that you shouldn't be under, but that's not here. We're, we're accountable in every way. We live our lives open, wide out open in front of everybody. But some people, no matter what church they go to, I'm hurt. I got hurt. Listen, I know that hurt comes. I don't mean to. I don't mean to mock that because there has been, uh, there has been folks that have come into our churches over the past 15 years that I've pastored, and they have had absolute nightmares happen in in local community churches, where they they. I, I mean, I. I mean, some stuff is just like beyond me. But let me just say that you can't give what you haven't first received. I'm thankful that, that and I'm not perfect by any chance. I know some, that might be a shock to some of you, but, you know, forgetting that which lies behind, we press on to the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. All right? Come on. See, what was that? I don't know. Woo! somebody. You're always going to have somebody that's going to hurt you, offend you. Get over it. Get over it. Don't be so offended that it suspends you from your calling and destiny in God. Live above offense. And when the real hurtful things come, you know, you can get healed. No matter what job you're doing, you're going to get hurt at the job. You'll feel unappreciated. Underdemitiated. But let me say this. And I know some of you want to get up right now, but if you did, everybody would know I'm talking to you. Let me say this. That if you're constantly hurt, you're constantly getting hurt. It could be that you have made an idol out of yourself. And that people don't cater to you. People don't cater to you, and as a result, you don't feel taken care of, and so then you feel hurt. And if that's you, you will hate this church. But you can stay and get healed. Get planted. Get rooted. Get grounded. Look, I, I was... That was me, man. Everybody hurt me. Did you see the way they looked at me? I was so messed up. I was so... I crawled into the church years ago. I did. I crawled in. I thank God for godly leadership who would grab me by my ripped t-shirt and tell me, Hey... You're a little oversensitive. Why don't you just relax? Just you just you need prayer. It's probably because you've been hurt your whole life and you think everybody's after you now. You need prayer, let me pray for you. And I thought, that's a fact. For sure. They'd pray for me. My mom hurt me. My dad hurt me. My brother hurt me. The kid down the street hurt me. 
My students. You know, you just have a, does anybody know what I'm talking about? And then people live so focused on themselves that everybody who lives around them has just been like, shh. Yeah, you're totally, it's witchcraft. You get controlled by somebody's anger and they're hurt. If we're going to have revival, we need to deal with self, people. It's not about you. It's about God. It's not about me. It's about Him. It's about making Him look good, not you and I. It's about us getting off of our high horse, picking up our cross, and following after Jesus, being more concerned about the harvest than we are about our own feelings and who hurt us. Now again, I, again, I want to say that there have been people that have been hurt and that's a real thing and you need a healing. Amen. But if it happens over and over and over, you have a pattern that needs to be torn down and it could be that you're catering to yourself too much. Everybody say could be before you start emailing me off of your iPhone. The final thing from self can come a God complex. Power hungry. The pseudo intellectual. I, I, the pseudo intellectual thing bugs me. Pseudo intellectual is so irritating. It's somebody who wants to criticize everybody's ideas, but they never make a commitment of their own. They want to point the finger, be a Monday morning quarterback, but they're never willing to get in the game and make a decision to do anything. And because they don't want to look bad. Self, once again, indecisive. People that are indecisive can't make a decision. They're too concerned about looking bad, too concerned about making a wrong choice. The lone wolf. The my way. I did it my way. That is the stupidest song I've ever heard in my life. Your way will not cause you to overcome New York. Your way will cause you to crash and burn and have nothing but religion and tradition which will dry you out and kill you. It's not your way. It's, it's his way. The perfectionist. These are all things under the God complex. Perfection is basically is you want to make everybody... <laughs> you want to make everybody in your own image. Your own image. I told you, you have to do it this way. Like your way is the only way. No, there are people that are bound up with this thing. I mean, the, the salt and pepper shakers have to be right in the right spot. Just right, turn just so with the napkins. Just like, yeah, what's that called? OCD or something? But you can be healed. All right, here we go. Let's let's uh, let's close this message up and the task of dethroning self and enthroning God. We're going to have revival. I believe we're in the midst of one. Can I can I tell you a plan that I felt like the Lord spoke to me again? Sunday night and Tuesday night, I just we just let our hair down and rip a hole in it. Prophesy, go, go just let God come. I mean, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost night. That's what our Tuesday night service is called, Holy Ghost night. Now, if you don't let Him come and lead the thing, then you know change the name of the service. And we we always preach the word, always give an altar call. But Sunday morning, I feel obligated by the Spirit of God, not by religion or tradition, but I feel obligated by the Spirit of God to bring you messages in a pastoral way to teach you and to cast vision. 
You know, I sometimes want to just preach like John Harkey and stuff and just have services like that. We do that Sunday night and Tuesday night. On Sunday morning, I try to bring you a, a, a word of, 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 of revival, a word of, of, of reformation, a word that will change your life and cause you to grow in the things of God. Because you can just flow in the Holy Ghost and nobody gets discipled. So I know I have one moment, even though the average man watches six hours of TV every day, I have one moment for about 40 minutes to preach to you the Word. I'm almost done. So Sunday morning, I'm going to keep that. I felt like the Lord said, keep doing it. Stay in the pattern I've given you. Pastor in revival on Sunday mornings, let me come and mess the place up on Sunday night. Jesus, I say, okay, God. A little longer worship. Man, for those of you that missed Tuesday, oh, All right. The task of dethroning self and enthroning God, basically. Repent. Everybody say repent. It's a lifestyle. It's not something you do once. It's something you do continually. The renewing of your mind. Changing changing the way that you think. Changing the way that you act. Self will rise, and when it does, you need to repent. And realize that you can do nothing without Christ. There's not one thing you can do without Him. Keep the right focus. Everybody say, keep the right focus. What does that mean? Love Jesus. Spend time in the Word. You know, you came to church today. Praise God, I'm proud of you. I mean, it's amazing that some people come to church and want God to say, thank you for coming. (laughs) Who's being worshipped? Keep the right focus. Keep your focus on God. Keep your focus on loving Jesus. Keep your focus on doing His will. What has God said to you to do? What is, what is your purpose in the earth? Some of you don't know what it is. Stick around. We'll decide for you. God will speak to you. And you can find out what that is. You say, I don't really have a vision. Be a part of this one. We have, we have huge vision. We, don't, we need help. Be a part of a vision that's bigger than yourself. Do His will. Everybody say, do His will. Acts 20, verse 24. You might want to turn there. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if I may only finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the testifying, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. If we could take our eyes off of self and put it on God, we will have a full-blown outpouring of the Spirit of God. Now, I believe that's happening. My worship team, would you come, please? I believe that that's happening. I really do. If in worship, and you can ask any worship leader, ask anybody that's been around the move of the Spirit of God, if you can get the majority of the congregation beginning to lift their voice and get their eyes off of themselves, then the power of God comes in a measure that maybe some of you have never experienced before. If we could get enough people to realize that they just need to throw off the yoke of self, self-preservation, and begin to put God first in their lives, and all of their needs are met. The key in marriage is you meet the other person's needs before they even can even think about it. You love that person like Christ loved the church. You do things. You anticipate how you can bless your spouse. Your marriage will turn around. They'll start doing the same thing. Respect your husband. Love your wife. We have a great outpouring, I believe, that's just upon us even now. We're seeing more miracles than we've ever seen before. People are getting saved. 
People are coming. And I don't mean just here. I mean, that's, that's the testimony all around. Want to see it increase? Quit being so selfish. Dethrone self. Enthrone God. Last point. Walk in the Spirit. Galatians talks about that. We need to live in constant awareness of it. All of history reveals that God is reaching to a people. We blame Him. I mean, people blame God for for everything that they don't understand. They blame God. God is good. The devil, bad. God, good. Devil, bad. Try it. Feels good. Ready? God, good. Devil, bad. He loves you. He wants to help you. But if He's not on the throne of your life, I think it was Bill Bright. Bill Bright said it this way. How many of you ever heard of Bill Bright? Campus Crusade for Christ. He put together probably the most famous track in, in America re, in recent history. How many of you know what a track is? All right. Not an eight track. It's a track of literature. They're usually about yay big. And they, they, they tell about Jesus. I was handed one in the early 70s by a bunch of hippies. I thought they were crazy. But it was God trying to reach me even when I was in middle school. late 70s, pardon me. And Bill Bright wrote the four spiritual laws. How many of you heard of the four spiritual laws? Well, he said this, every person, I'm closing with this, every person has a throne in their life. And either you're on the throne or God's on the throne. And when you receive Christ, when you receive Jesus, His finished work on the cross, He was crucified, died for you, rose again for you, in accordance with the Scriptures, you believe on Him, you confess your sins to Him, He's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. What happens is that you come off your throne and God comes and sits on the throne of your life. And when that happens, you have peace that passes all understanding. When you put Jesus on the throne, you've got patience that can endure. When you put Jesus on the throne, everything changes. Everything changes. Everything changes. But when you're on the throne, everything's junk. Rubbish. Trash. Painful. Hurtful. Idolatrous. Stand up on your feet. God, oh God, come and take your rightful place. Listen, I have this theory. And I said theory. What do you say? The throne of God moves. It's on wheels. You see, I believe that in the same way that Satan's seat, was, which was at Pergamum, you see it's at two different places in Scripture, but Revelation, it says, I think it's Pergamum, I know where, where, you, where Satan's seat is, talking about seat of authority. 
was in a particular location. And, and it really comes through idol worship and all of that. When there's a great yieldedness to self and to idol worship, then there comes a great release of the demonic. There comes a demonic release and demon spirits begin to manipulate and, 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 and bring destruction. But the same is true that if a people who are called by My name will humble themselves and fast and pray and turn from their wicked ways and dethrone self and enthrone God in the midst of their hearts, in their families, in their community, then God, I believe, comes and opens up the heavens and brings a great revival, even a reformation. It is absolutely, positively time for the people of God to take their eyes off of themselves and put their eyes on Him. To call on Him. To cry out to Him. To worship Him. Not your feelings. Not your own need. To love Him and to obey His Word and to trust Him and to stop worrying. Look to the needs of others. And God will come and bring a great revival. This is the hour, this is the time. Time is now. Time is now. Time is now. Time is now. Well, Let's all repent for being selfish. Let's dethrone self, just you and God, right now. Lord, forgive us. Where it's had to be my way, Lord, forgive us for being so focused on self. Lord, help us to put you first. To make the first commandment first. You shall have no other gods before me. I will tell you the biggest God, the false God in America, the biggest idol in America is self and pleasure. Self. That's what it is. Needs to be dethroned. May America come back to you. May self be dethroned. And may you take your rightful place, God, as the captain of the host, the Lord of lords and the King of kings, in our lives, in our community, and in our families. May we not cater to ourselves, but may we cater unto You. Ask not what God can do for you, but ask what, you, what can you do for God. Think about that way. It's a quote from John F. Kennedy about the United States of America. If we'll think that way, we'll have a great outpouring. We will. With every head bowed, every eye closed all across this place. If you're not right with God, if you want to get right with Him today, whether you're on online by web stream or listening by podcast, or you're here in the congregation this morning, you want to give your heart to Jesus, or you want to make a recommitment to Him, or perhaps thirdly, you just want to be assured of your salvation. You don't know that if you were to die today, that you'd go to heaven. You can know. You can know that. All across this place, that's you. You want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time. Or perhaps you want to recommit your life to Him. 
Or thirdly, you just want to be assured of your salvation all across this place. Those under the sound of my voice, if that's you, on the count of three, slip your hand up. One, two, three. Do it now. Slip your hand up. Anybody? Honestly, God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? I see your hand. God bless you. I see that hand. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you, sir. Thank you for your thank you for your honesty there. Thank you. Praise God. Those online, perhaps. Come on, pray this right out loud. Everybody, right out loud. Say, dear Jesus. Thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for rising again from the grave. Forgive me of all my sin. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me new. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Would you lift your hands as a sign of surrender to the King of Kings? Holy Spirit, come, touch, fill each and every one. Fill them now with your Holy Spirit. Take the throne of our lives. Those who have prayed that prayer today, perhaps for the first time, those who have made a recommitment, or those who are now being assured of their salvation, for all of us who prayed as an affirmation, Lord, of you being the Lord of our lives, take the throne in our lives right now. Come on, say that if you believe it and you want it. Say it, say, take the throne in my life right now. Say it again. Take the throne in my life right now. Say it again. Take the throne in my life right now. Amen. Put your hands together for God. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody shout to God. Hey, thank you, Jesus. Come on, come on, lift your voice and thank you. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Yes, God! Yes, God! Yes! We love you and we bless you. Praise the Lord. Take someone by the hand all across this place. Pastor Karen, would you come? Come on, we're going to close in prayer. I hope you got fed and encouraged today. Bless you. We're so blessed that you're coming. Continue to come tonight. Revival will continue. Amen. Six o'clock. No leaders meeting tonight for all of the leaders. Postponed. So 6 o'clock we'll have service Tuesday night at 7.30 for the whole family. God bless you, Father. Thank you for what you've done. Cause your face to shine upon your people. Lift up your countenance towards them. Be gracious to them. Keep them and give them peace. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Praise the Lord.